Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 37, verses 1 through 17. Do not fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and she will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in her, and she will act. She will make your vindication shine like the light, and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for her. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For the wicked shall be cut off. For those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked will be no war, be no more. Though you look diligently for their place, they will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land, and delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for she sees that their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to kill those who walk uprightly. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is a little that the righteous person has than the abundance of many wicked, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. Now Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a prominent rich man of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, behind someone in whose sight I may find favor. She said to her, Go, my daughter. So she went. She came and gleaned in the field behind the reapers. As it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Just then Boaz came from Bethlehem. He said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. They answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, To whom does this young woman belong? The servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She's the Moabite who came back with Naomi in the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the reapers. So she came, and she has been on her feet from early this morning until now, without resting even for a moment. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that is being reaped and follow behind them. I have ordered the young men not to bother you. If you get thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Then she fell prostrate, with her, hand, with her face to the ground, and she said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me when I am a foreigner? 
But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of of your husband has been fully told me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that that you did not know before. May the Lord reward you for your deeds, and may you have a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have you have come for refuge. Then she said, May I continue to find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, even though I am not one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some of this bread and dip your morsel in the sour wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he heaped up for her some parched grain. She ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she got up to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, Let her glean even among the standing sheaves, and do not reproach her. You must also pull out some handfuls for her from the bundles, and leave her leave them for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Come now, you rich people. Weep and wail for the miseries that are coming to you. Your riches have rotted, and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have rusted, and their rust will be evidence against you, and you will eat your flesh like fire, and it will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure for the last days. Listen, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous one who does not resist you. Good morning and welcome to the fourth Tuesday after Epiphany. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. This morning's Psalm 37, uh, because it was the second day in a row, was read with feminine pronouns. Um, which, as always, is really um, enlightening and kind of challenging and uh, helpful in the way it reframes uh, what and who and how God is. We also continue on in the book of Ruth, um, and uh, we add on a short selection from the letter uh, of James. And the the theme for these two um, non-psalm readings um, is these uh, laborers and harvesters. In the book of Ruth, uh, in the second chapter, um, the, the story of Naomi, the old woman whose uh, uh, daughters-in-law um, lost their husbands and who she herself lost her, her husband and her, her um, grandchildren and her children. Um, Naomi and Ruth um, go off towards Bethlehem, and what is described is um, uh, the, uh, the younger of the two, Ruth, goes off and she is gleaning the field. And this was a practice, um, uh, you kind of get a sense of it by reading, but essentially um, gleaning was taking the things that the harvesters dropped or didn't get. Um, it could include harvesting from the edges of the fields, um, so you're not trespassing on someone's property. But um, you know the, the the fruit that you know gets blown off by the wind before it's fully ripe. Um, there's um, passages in 
the Pentateuch that talk about how that should be, um, that the edges should be left and the, the things that fall on the ground should be left for those who are poor, especially the widows and the orphans and the aliens. Um, and so we find uh, Ruth doing that. She's following the laborers and it goes into relatively uh, a certain amount of depth. Um, and we meet Boaz, who is one of the ancestors of Jesus, according to ooh, Matthew or Mark. I can't remember which one the genealogy is in. Um, but anyway, the, um, so that's what she's doing. Um, the reader, the ancient reader, would have recognized that she is, she is a widow, and this is also what widows do. They kind of scrape together um, a livelihood so that they don't starve. And there are these practices within um, the people Israel that are supposed to provide for those who are weaker or more vulnerable. And um, in the letter of James... Um, there's also this discussion of harvesters, but not necessarily in terms of these economic practices to protect the poor, but actually the harvesters themselves as laborers. Um, and the, uh, the, the cries and the wages of the laborers has reached the ear of the Lord, um, not unlike the cry of the Hebrews under their taskmasters in Egypt. And here the emphasis is on, you know, oppression of uh, the workforce, essentially. But the, 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 there is this overture to economic practices that Israel is commanded to either do or to keep from doing. Um, and the first line of the passage from James um, speaks of, I'm sorry, the second verse, actually. Um, it talks about the, the problem of riches and that they rot and that the clothes become moth-eaten um, because you have so much you're not able to care for the things that you actually have. And that was deeply tied up with the practice of gleaning um, and the practice of the widows and the orphans following after harvesters to pick up what they, what they drop. Um, and the point is it, it brings the reader back to not Egypt but the desert when they had manna in the wilderness. And God said, only take enough for today so that... Uh, you trust in me that I'll provide it again tomorrow, with the exception of Friday or the, the day before the Sabbath, when a double portion would fall or would appear because there wouldn't be any that would come on the day of rest. And so you, there would be enough that would not rot so that you could eat it the second day. But the whole point is that it rots. If you, if you collect too much, it rots. And not only does it rot, but it's very likely that you're... you're keeping from someone else who needs something more. And that is uh, both true in, in this practice as, it, as it's described in the Book of Ruth and also the kind of underpinning of what, uh, what's being talked about in the letter of James. Um, and it's, I think, as, as, a, as a takeaway, it's, it's sometimes difficult to be uh, the person in need. Um, that's one thing I'm wrestling with um, in terms of the military community lately, um, thinking about civil rights and social justice and whether or not um, those are things that are needed by the military, whether or not the military wants to accept that they are needed. And the reason I say that is, um, is I, I mean, at, at a very fundamental level, is the military community, which is mostly veterans and their families, 
and also active service members and their families, um, uh, are they a population which is vulnerable? I think the suicide rate clearly demonstrates that it is. There's a headline recently that I put on Facebook that um, there have been more suicides since, I think, 2001 than there were um, combat fatalities in Vietnam. I'll say that again. In the time uh, since we began the war on terror, there have been more military suicides than there were combat fatalities during the entire Vietnam War. Now, if we accept that the military is a vulnerable population, to what we, we may be argued and may not be the point, but if we are vulnerable, then what are those practices, social and economic practices that protect those communities, our community, if it's true that we are a vulnerable population? And I think um, civil rights and the kind of practices that we think of when we talk about social justice and as much as I don't like the term being woke, what does it mean to be woke in such a way that we ensure that the minorities for whom that human, that, that those practices, um, that the communities are, um, that their human dignity is being protected by these practices if they are needed. That might be confusing. Are we as soldiers as and veterans or military families or allies, are we vulnerable? Are we willing to throw ourselves behind the harvesters? Are we willing to go to the edges of the fields of plenty and take only what we know we need? Um, and are we able to find those allies whose fields we can glean from, the Boazes of our world? Are we able to identify them? Are, if, do we realize that we are in need? Can we accept that? Can we look at ourselves um, and without thinking less of ourselves or our brothers and sisters, know that we need more than what we are being provided? That thank you for your service is a piss poor fucking answer for whatever it is that's ailing, ailing the military community. That there must be something more than mere benefits or charity um, that, that justice, being not a substitute for charity, looks like something other than what we've been doing. Are we willing to acknowledge that we are vulnerable? Are we willing to cry out for justice? A prayer for the oppressed from the Book of Common Prayer. Look with pity, O Heavenly Father, upon the people in this land who live with injustice, terror, disease, and death as their constant companions. Have mercy upon us. Help us to eliminate our cruelty to those, to these our neighbors. Strengthen those who spend their lives establishing equal protection of the law and equal opportunities for all. And grant that every one of us may enjoy a fair portion of the riches of this land. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where PPUHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country.
If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor Morning Prayer for Pew Pew People with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for pew-pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.